Amen. 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 So, good morning. Uh, if I could have my uh, little slide presentation up today, I want to just talk to you a little bit about the battle for the mind. Uh, what's your mind like? Well, I don't know about yours, but my mind at times can be very busy and can have a whole lot of stuff going on. When I grew up watching the cartoons, when they were actually G-rated instead of what they are these days, often you'd have a little angel sitting on one shoulder and you'd have a little demon fella sitting on the other shoulder and you had this conversation going on. Well, guess what? Fast forward, it's still a battle in my mind. Next slide. Thank you. Um, oh, can we go back a slide? Thanks. Okay. Down the bottom are three core values. Celebrate Sundays. Say celebrate. Connect weekdays. Say connect. And care every day. Say care. Fantastic. Wonderful. Next slide. Oh, it says the same thing. So what do you do Sundays? Celebrate Sundays. What do you do weekdays? What do you do all the other days? Fantastic. You're fast learners. God bless you. All right. So what we have here is a photo of the place of uh, Golgotha. Uh, John chapter 19 verse 27 says they were taken to the place of the skull. It's fascinating that Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, Son of God incarnate, he was crucified, pulled apart, you know, in terms of the big cosmic plan of redemption, but it was called the place of the skull. And I reckon one of the great battles that still occurs for you and me these days happens here in the place of the skull. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a Golgotha. And, you know, on that hill, we are still open to the same issues of, you know, what's what's God saying to me? What am I saying to me? What's the world saying to me? What's my appetite saying to me? What's the devil saying to me? And sorting those voices out is absolutely the key towards success or the reason why we fail. True. And John, uh, Ephesians says it this way, Ephesians chapter 4, 21 to 24, using the New Living Translation. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw aside that old sinful nature. I think, Pastor Karen, you spoke a little bit about putting on and putting off recently and how important that is. But throw aside the old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, say instead, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Some of our thoughts, some of our attitudes are old, stinking thinking. And they don't help us. And they hurt us. And they trouble us. The Bible's solution to that is let the Holy Spirit renew it. Replace the old with something new to actually refresh that in your thoughts and attitudes. Put on the new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So we get the metaphor of changing our clothes. Today I've changed my clothes to look like I'm only 50. You know, I've changed my clothes. We get that metaphor, but that metaphor is directly connected to the actual behavior that causes it to change, which is to change this. It's to deal with your Golgotha. Putting off and putting on is about changing this. Putting off, putting on is about changing what happens here. 
Next slide. Thank you. Uh, so I just want to talk to you about, you know, the, how the enemy tries to trip us up and to trap us. And Paul was able to boast to the Corinthian church that we're not ignorant of Satan's schemes. You, you know, I've talked to lots of Christians, lots, rots and rots of Christians over the years. And I think some are just plain stupid when it comes to... <laughs> oh, dear. I think some of us are idiots. <laughs> we don't learn yet how the devil gets us. And it's like, I don't know. If you've got a nice car, you know, you've got your nice Jag, and it's a Jag sports car, and you drive it down and you park at the Armadale train station and you leave your iPhone and your wallet there, I, I just don't know if that's smart. <laughs> I just think you could be setting yourself up for a really big disappointment. And yet I look at the thinking of some Christians and I think it's more dangerous than even doing that. So let's not be dumb, eh? Amen? Can we smarten up today? Turn to your neighbor and say, you look really smart today. <laughs> Next slide. Thank you. Uh, so I want to talk to you about 3D, three dimensions of uh, temptation, the, the dimensional realm of being in spiritual warfare. And, uh, you, you know, for those who are perhaps interested in something a little bit deeper, a little bit more theological, the ancients thought that life could be actually summarized down to the solitary point. A bit like uh, Allah, he's solitary, he's alone, just one point. And, and the philosophers, the Greek philosophers and the early Christians said, no, it's got to be more than a point because God's infinite. So what if you had an infinite point? Well, infinite points lead to an infinite line. So, you know, point after point after point with no beginning and no end. That seems to be a true reflection of reality because life has no beginning and no end in terms of the bigger picture. Whatever God is, he's not a single point. He continues. He has no beginning, has no end. But then they said, well, that's only just one dimensional. It's just a line. There's no depth to that. So they created the third dimension and drew that triangle, creating, as it were, space. There's no space in a single line. It's eternal, it runs forever, but there's no place, there's no space. You can't have creation within just the line. And then they said, well, yes, that's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but then you need your fourth dimension, which you can't see, but that's the depth behind it where you and I are invited into partake of God himself. So just say, oh, Pastor, my, my brain is hurting. <laughs> Dimensions dimensions everything that we would call supernatural is what we just call the extra dimension that we've not seen yung cho wrote his book so many years ago the fourth dimension you know everything that we can't see that we call spiritual comes out of that fourth dimension let me tell you about three dimensions of attack next slide thank you first one is deception three d's the first d is deception say deception there's a really big problem with deception is because when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. 
You are absolutely convinced you're right. You're deceived. Drugs are the way to have fun. Well, that's a deception, you know. Alcohol's a way to get high. Well, that's a deception, you know. We face all sorts of deceptions, and I think the average person, in fact, can I even say maybe the average Christian can't even understand that the great dragon was thrown down, that old serpent is called the devil, Satan, and he's a deceiver of the whole world. Guys, we are living in a time and a day and an age where there is just massive deception. We can't even figure out now which toilet to use anymore. Am I an ambulant left-handed or a non-ambulant right-handed? I don't know anymore. The deceptions that are coming upon us. You know, whole cons are going on with us. That You know, you, you don't know who you are. You don't know where you are, where you're going. Deception. And here's the trouble. If you're here today and you're deceived, then I'm wasting my time. The devil's already got you because you believe you're right and everything else is wrong. God help us from deception. Amen? The Bible says expressly in the last days, 1 Timothy 4, that demons will come teaching deceiving doctrines and things. You know, that's the best way to get people, to hoodwink them before they make any decision, to convince them that the best life is to be found in sex, drugs, rock and roll, living wild, whatever it might be, chasing the dollar, pleasing the man, the whole, all that. And it's a deception. God help us from deceptions. Just take the hand of someone next to you. We're going to pray. Holy Spirit, you've come to lead us into all truth. You said that we would know the truth and it's a truth that will set us free. Dear Lord, help me to put down my lies. The most dangerous lie I'll ever say is the one I believe and tell myself. God, help me to live in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Next slide. So the first D is deception. The next D is... You're deceived, haven't you? Discouragement. Oh, I think I'm not terribly deceived now, but in saying that, <laughs> I could just be deceived, couldn't I? <laughs> you, know, I you know, I think I'm trim, taut, and terrific, you know, until I look into the mirror, you know, and suddenly realize, oh, Mike, you are deceived. But distraction, discouragement. The, uh, there's an old preacher story, yet I'm an old preacher, so I'm allowed to do it now. It's the devil's garage sale. My wife has graduated, bless her, from being addicted to garage sales to being addicted to gum tree. Least in a garage sale, you're not driving around for hours trying to find things, you know. She just sits there at 3 a.m. in the morning. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> favorite, favorite. So, uh, anybody garaging? Like doing the garage sale thing? No, no, maybe they are going out of fashion stuff. Well, the devil had a garage sale. And so, you know, things were going pretty bad. People are getting saved all around the world. People are feeding him less with their appetites. And so he had to have an emergency garage sale. And so this guy walks into the devil's garage sale and he comes around and there's a bag there. And that bag's, that bag is greed. And uh, that's $10 for a bag of greed. Oh, I don't want any greed. Goes up to the next bag and that's, uh, 
that's a, adultery. That was $50 for adultery for a bag of adultery. Didn't want that. And he comes over here and it's uh, $200 for pornography. And he says to the devil, well, that's a bit much for pornography. Yeah, but pornography, if I can get you to buy pornography, then the adultery happens. So, you know, it's, this is actually the dangerous one. Then he goes up to this next bag. It's a little bag. And the devil wants $10,000 for it. He says, oh, what's in this bag? The devil says, that's my best tool, discouragement. If I can get anybody discouraged, I can get them to do anything I want them to do. And I thought, yeah. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, about discouragement? You've done your best and still blown it, made it a mess. (laughs) You've worked so hard. You've ran into the wall and you just get discouraged. Met a pastor this week, a good man of God. He's about my age. He's done it. He has served for years after years after years, and he's just resigned from his church for no other reason, even though it's one of the largest churches in our, in our state, because he's discouraged. Sad, isn't it? Well, the Bible says that we are to encourage ourselves in the Lord. King David was able to find himself in the Lord, and he would say, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that's within me, and bless his holy name uh, look i look around sometimes you know you guys because i'm your shepherd and you're my sheep say bear bear and you've come into the presence of god and you're standing there and you're looking at the big screen like you're zombies you know that something came and ate your head matter away you know and you're just sitting there waiting you know god who believes that jesus is worth 10 percent of your energy 10 percent Anybody go 20%? Would someone be prepared to go higher than 20% of your, of your energy, your passion, your love? Would someone go as much as 50%? No, no, hear, hear me, because I might say, if you're not ready to do that at the end, please can you leave the room? Who'd like to give Jesus 100% today? Even it's got to be the sacrifice of praise. Who believes that Jesus Christ is worth 100% of what you can give him today? Do you think you could even open up your mouth and get it to move? And you know, the funny thing is, you can come into the presence of God and you can be discouraged. Hey, you're human. And yet, all of a sudden, you take those few steps where you start to say, Lord, I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you and it changes God does not have an ego problem. He's not needing us to stroke his ego, okay? So he doesn't need for someone to come along and say, oh, God, you're really wonderful. He says, oh, thank you so much. (laughs) I feel so good about myself now. (laughs) God doesn't need that at all. What, What happens is we go and we say, God, you are strong and you're powerful. And God says, well, I know that, but do you know it, Mike? And the more I sing about God being in control of my life and he loves me and he's got a plan for my life. So I start to believe it. My soul starts to align with the promises of God. And all of a sudden, I go from discouraged to encouraged. Amen? In fact, the Holy Spirit, his, his name, Parakeleo, is the one who comes alongside to encourage. At any moment in your life, you're feeling down. I want to let you know there's someone whispering in your ear to give you courage, to help you rise, to lift you. Did I come to the right church this morning? 
Did I? Uh, can someone swipe right, smash the like button, and hashtag amen? Uh, Jackson, did I say anything that I understood? <laughs> Sorry. Discouragement. Um, I, I'm wondering if boredness is associated. No, no, it's another story. Next one. So the first one is deception. Second one is discouragement. But then I think the next one that can really be a dilemma for Christians is the whole issue of distraction. And the reason why distraction's a problem is that we don't realize it. We can actually be doing something really well progressing in God, fulfilling that, and all of a sudden we just get distracted. And the devil is the master of distraction. I can tell you how many times I've driven to church wanting to preach on marriage and my wife and I have had a fight in the car. Or I've come to church wanting to preach on divine healing and, you know, <coughs> get the cold. Or, you know, I wanted to preach on, on finances and, you know, the bottom falls out and all the bills come in and the rates and all that sort of stuff. Or you're going to do something really great for Jesus. You know, you're having a, uh, uh, you know, you're having a, a crusade, you're having some big event and all of a sudden, you know, things start going crazy and distraction. You remember the video I showed you a little while ago where everybody's gone to the movie theater and they've rigged everybody's phone systems to ri- so they all ring in the movie theater. Not that you'd leave your phones on, of course. And everybody goes to their phone and in the meantime, the car they're watching runs off the road. Now, we actually have laws in our state saying that distraction can kill you being distraction. And even now, one of the great challenges of the Western church today is how do I maintain your interest over 30 minutes, over 40 minutes? Because our minds are so busy going left, going right. People are Facebooking, iPadding, all that sort of stuff. Distraction is enough to kill you. So when the devil comes, the first thing he's going to do is try and deceive you. Say no deception. Then he's going to come along and he's going to try and discourage you. Say no to discouragement. And then he comes along and he tries to distract you and you to say no to distraction. Stay focused upon Jesus. I don't know how many stories you would have seen it. But, you know, let's say the person's caught on a high ledge. They're frightened of heights. They're on the mountain. They're coming across a rope and it's all wobbling and stuff. And the person is on the other side is trying to help them. The first thing they say to them is, don't look. Don't look. And, and some people are genuinely frightened of heights. Anybody genuinely frightened of heights? I don't particularly enjoy heights. So I endure heights. And one of the reasons is when you get there, you can actually feel quite sick. You can lose something of your spatial perception, and that's exactly what's happening. Normally, you don't realize it, but you're gritting that you're okay because there's a wall there, there's a roof there, there's a chair there, there's a floor there. I take away those sensory perceptions, and all of a sudden, your mind is saying, I am in danger. I could fall. I could die here. So whilst that feeling is very unpleasant there's a biological reason for you feeling that spatial distress that spatial distortion you've lost contact with your world 
But the cure, apparently, is not to look, but to look ahead. And if it's someone calling to you, they normally would say, look at, look at, you know this, Sam, you've done this one before, haven't you? Look at, and if we keep our eyes upon the person who's trying to rescue us, the person who's trying to save us, guess what? We get our perspective back. We get our bearings back. We get our confidence back. And we're able to get to that place of safety. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And you'll be okay. Last slide, I think. Thank you. The enemy, the enemy. Uh, most of us would be probably reasonably familiar with Galatians 5 in the New King James Version or an older version. But this is in the message version. And uh, occasionally, I think the message version just puts it in ways that are really fresh and really gripping. And I think it does this one particularly well. I'll have the team up, please, if I can. Galatians 5.19. So this is talking about the life of the natural person outside of Jesus Christ. And it says this. It is oblivious, the natural life, it's oblivious to what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all of the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Oh, Magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants. It's never enough. A brutal temper, an impotence to love and be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. I want to say that again. Listen to this. This is the natural life, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of communities, and Paul says I could go wrong to describe that's where we live, guys. Outside of Jesus, that's where we live. The enemy is the enemy, or the enemy can be friendly. But we have to instead let the Spirit of God renew our thoughts and our attitudes. Father, Lord, I do thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to share, Lord, some really simple keys on, Lord, the responsibility, Lord, and the ability change our life, Lord, by changing our thinking. You ask us, Lord, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, as a whole burnt offering, Lord, which is our reasonable worship, Lord, through the transforming, not the conforming, Lord, not the conforming to the patterns of this world, not conforming to its schemas, conforming to its narratives, conforming to its standards, but through the transforming, through the renewal of our mind. Dear Lord, it's not magic, Lord, it's mind.
and you want to renew our minds in the name of Jesus. Dear Lord, I pray that you'll brainwash all of us by the power of your blood in the name of Jesus. Brainwash us, Lord. Brainwash us. Wash away the old and bring the new thinking. Lord, help us to be able to, Lord, catch those bad thoughts, to catch those temptations, Lord, to challenge them and to change them in the name of Jesus. Let us take stronghold, Lord, every thought that takes, Lord, uh, that rival position of rebellion against you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Can we do glorious day? Is it good? He thinks, Hank thinks it's all right. Let's stand. Now, I want you to give God 10%, okay? Who can do better than 10%? Fantastic.